Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Morning and welcome to Synopta's fourth quarter fiscal 2020 earnings conference call. By now, everyone should have access to the earnings press release that was issued this morning and is available on the investor relations page on Synopta's website at www.synopta.com. This call is being webcast and its transcription will be available on the company's website. As a reminder, please note that that the prepared remarks, which will follow, contain forward-looking statements, and management may make additional forward-looking statements in response to your questions. These statements do not guarantee future performance, and therefore, undue reliance should not be placed upon them. We refer you to all risk factors contained in Synopto's press release issued this morning, the company's annual report filed on Form 10-K and other filings with the Securities and Exchange Commission for more detailed discussion of the factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projections and any forward-looking statements. The company undertakes no obligation to publicly correct or update the forward-looking statements made during the presentation to reflect future events or circumstances, except as may be required under applicable securities laws. Finally, we would like to remind listeners that the company may refer to certain non-GAAP financial measures during this teleconference. A reconciliation of these non-GAAP financial measures was included with the company's press release issued earlier today. Also, please note that unless otherwise stated, all figures discussed today are in US dollars and are occasionally rounded to the nearest million. I'd now like to turn the conference call over to Synopsis CEO, Joe Ennin. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. With me on the call is Scott Huckins, our Chief Financial Officer. Before we begin unpacking the results, let me offer three key takeaways from the quarter and the full year results. Number one, strong Q4 results were fueled by strong execution from continuing operations. Both our plant-based and fruit-based segments had a great quarter and year. Number two, very strong margin performance in Q4 with 15.5% gross profit margin and 10% EBITDA margin reflects all our business optimization efforts and strong execution across both operating segments. Third, solid progress in our new business development efforts as we seek to add $100 million of plant-based revenue in the next two years. With this call being our full year 2020 results, before we unpack the details of Q4, I would like to summarize for shareholders just how much progress we have made in 2020. As it relates to the balance sheet, we entered 2020 10 times levered. We entered 2021 1.2 times levered. In 2020, we had an annual interest expense of over $30 million. In 2021, we have an expected annual interest expense of approximately $10 million. In 2020, we had limited remaining term on our debt instruments. We now have five years on our debt instruments. We entered 2020 with approximately $40 million of aged inventory. We entered 2021 with $5 million of aged inventory. We entered 2020 with a triple C credit rating. We entered 2021 with a B or B minus rating, and we are trending up. When reflecting on our fruit business, we began 2020 with a gross margin of 1.9%, too much capacity, too many non-strategic customers, a Mexico operation that was not firing on all cylinders, and a very new management team across the board. By the end of 2020, we had delivered our goal of a 10% gross margin in the fourth quarter. We grew year-over-year year gross profit by $22 million compared to 2019 and we enter 2021 looking to build on this momentum with positive overlaps expected in each quarter. We streamlined our operations in California to improve our cost structure, 
and we have made material progress in streamlining our customer base, which will, in the short term, mute sales growth, but will allow us to deliver better quality, better service, and more profitability. We have stood up a new team in Mexico, and we are projecting that Mexico will become our largest fruit operation in the not-too-distant future. Importantly, we enter 2021 with a more experienced team committed to driving improved profitability. In our plant-based segment, we certainly had momentum coming into 2020, but it was a capacity-constrained network. This constraint also limited our business development efforts. We enter 2021 with capacity in plant-based beverages, with a whole new capability in oat milk that is creating partnerships with new customers from ice cream to yogurt to refrigerated plant-based milk manufacturers. We enter 2021 with more customer diversity, a very strong customer pipeline, and optimism that as COVID-19 concerns decline, a food service business recovery will deliver significant upside in the second half of 2021. Perhaps it is most important to note that we entered 2020 managing two very different businesses, one being a global organic ingredient company headquartered in Amsterdam, the other a predominantly North American-based consumer packaged goods business. We divested the global ingredient segment in December for approximately 330 million euros. The proceeds of the sale provided additional funds to invest strategically in our competitively advantaged plant-based food and beverage platform, reduced our exposure to a commodity trading business, delevered our balance sheet, and significantly reduced our working capital needs. We also signed a long-term supply agreement with Acomo, the new owner, to ensure continuity of supply of organic raw materials for the foreseeable future. As we enter 2021, we have clarity of focus and clarity of purpose as we seek to help fuel the future of food. For the sake of completeness, I will comment briefly on the combined results of ongoing and discontinued operations in terms of revenue and EBITDA for the year and the quarter. Revenue for the full year 2020 was $1.29 billion a $102 million or 8.6% increase versus 2019. Revenue for the quarter was $330 million, a $35 million or 11.7% increase versus prior year. EBITDA for the full year was $94.1 million, a $47 million or nearly 100% increase. For the quarter, EBITDA was $26.5 million, a $10 million or 62% increase versus prior year. Of the $102 million of revenue growth and $47 million improvement in EBITDA, 75% of the revenue growth and 84% of the EBITDA growth came from continuing plant-based and fruit operations. With the divestiture of global ingredients in December, unless otherwise noted, all of the results referenced from here forward will be for continuing operations, meaning the aggregation of our plant-based and fruit-based operating segments. Fourth quarter results were better than expected, reflecting solid execution by the entire organization and a continuation of the strong underlying demand for our products. The fourth quarter also marked an important inflection point for the company as we completed a major multi-year operational turnaround and portfolio optimization. Entering 2021, the entirety of our efforts will now be focused on driving growth and profitability in businesses where we have a demonstrable competitive advantage. Total revenue from continuing operations increased 10.4% on an as-reported basis in the fourth quarter. Adjusting for commodity price variances and the impact of a 53rd week, total revenue was up 5.4%, driven by 6.6% growth in plant-based and 3.9% growth in the fruit segment. After four consecutive quarters of doubling EBITDA versus prior year, adjusted EBITDA in Q4 increased a mere 84.3% on a year-over-year -year basis to $20.6 million. We are pleased with this result as this is 84% growth on a year-ago number that was more than 6x 
the 2018 result. As a percent of revenue, adjusted EBITDA improved by 400 basis points to 10%, which had been our previously communicated long-term financial target for EBITDA margin. It was helped by higher growth margins in both segments, including a sharp recovery in the fruit business, reflecting productivity and pricing initiatives. Turning to our segment results, let me begin with our plant-based segment, where we continue to experience strong trends throughout the year. Full-year revenue was $415 million, an increase of $54 million, or 14.9%. Gross profit for the year was $80 million, growing $22 million, or 37%. For perspective, our plant-based segment is now approximately 75% of the company's total gross profit. For the fourth quarter, revenue increased 11.1% or 6.6% on an adjusted basis as we cycled a 25% increase from last year's fourth quarter. Our capacity addition helped deliver this increase as we were effectively at capacity in Q4 of 2019. And without our added capacity, we would not have achieved material growth in the quarter. Our food service sales channel remained challenged due to COVID-19, especially as portions of the country moved back into heightened lockdown in the fourth quarter. Gross margins improved 310 basis points for the year and 70 basis points in Q4, driven by higher volume as well as continued productivity gains. Our new business pipeline remains encouraging as our recognized expertise and expanding capacity makes Sanopta a desired partner for leading CPG companies focused on plant-based foods and beverages. To that end, during the fourth quarter, we completed expansion of our extraction capability as well as new beverage production and packaging capability. Additionally, last month, we announced another capacity expansion at our Allentown, Pennsylvania facility, all of which provides ample runway to support our plant-based growth plan through 2022. As previously communicated, we want to surgically use Synopta-owned brands as a vehicle to bring innovation to market faster. As an example of this thinking, we saw a gap in the market for an organic oat milk coffee creamer, and so we launched our first branded offering in plant-based beverages under a Synopta-created brand called Sown. Please feel free to log on to Sone.com for additional information on this exciting new growth initiative. Sone Organic Oat Milk Coffee Creamer is currently available nationally in Whole Foods, Sprouts, and Amazon, along with other regionally relevant customers as we look to grow distribution throughout 2021. As we have been saying for the past several quarters, we plan to have an agnostic go-to-market strategy quickly bringing innovation to market through a combination of branded, co-manufactured, and private label offerings. We see brands as augmenting our current customer focus, and we remain committed and focused on co-manufacturing and private label as our primary business. As proof point of our agnostic orientation, we are also launching oat milk creamers with a CPG customer, as well as with a leading retailer's own private label brand. In the fruit segment, we have repeatedly communicated our key area of focus has been improving profitability and margin, and results in the fourth quarter demonstrated significant progress against this goal. Revenue grew 6.9% for the full year and 9.6% or 3.9% on an adjusted basis in the fourth quarter versus last year. Importantly, gross margin increased an impressive 720 basis points in Q4 to 10.1%, helping to drive positive segment-level operating income for the first time in over three years. Gross margins benefited from volume, pricing, and mix factors, as well as the previously discussed successful automation and productivity initiatives. Over the near term, we expect to continue focusing on improving profit and margin in the fruit-based segment. As we've discussed in the past, not all customers are equal in terms of profitability. As such, we have endeavored to rationalize our customer portfolio in the fruit segment. And while we recognize that we may be compromising some near-term revenue, we believe this will allow us to build 
a much stronger foundation for the future. We strongly believe that a tighter, more focused, more cost-efficient business will give us the opportunity to continue to strengthen margins and grow strategically and profitably. In conclusion, the fourth quarter and full-year results were exceptionally strong and continue to show solid progress in executing on our key initiatives, including expanding margins and significant growth in adjusted EBITDA. We've successfully transformed the company to be in an optimal position to capitalize on the number one global food trend, plant-based foods and beverages. Our goal is to double our plant-based business over the next five years. Synopta's technical expertise across the full process spectrum, from formulation to production, is widely recognized by leading CPG companies. In turn, this has helped us develop very strong relationships with our customers as they view us as an essential partner in operating and growing their plant-based businesses. Finally, the geographic diversity of our supply chain provides cost efficiencies while also mitigating risk through operational redundancies. I'm optimistic about our future and believe 2021 will be another strong year for Synopta as we execute our plan, continue ramping up growth, and leveraging the power of our platform. Now I'll turn the call over to Scott to take us through the rest of the financials. Scott? Thank you very much, Joe, and good morning, everyone. We're excited to report another solid quarter. As Joe discussed, we saw 10.4% revenue growth in continuing operations and nearly doubled EBITDA with 84.3% growth. Gross profit from continuing operations was $31.8 million for the fourth quarter of 2020, an increase of $9.6 million, or 43%, compared to $22.2 million during the fourth quarter of 2019. The fruit-based segment was responsible for $6.5 million of the gross profit improvement, reflecting revenue growth, pricing efforts, and a favorable mix of higher margin retail versus food service sales, as well as ongoing productivity improvements in our plant. The plant-based segment accounted for $3.1 million of the increase in gross profit, primarily as a result of revenue growth, increased production volumes of plant-based beverages and plant-based ingredients, along with improved plant productivity. On a full-year basis, the plant-based segment generated $80.5 million of gross profit, up $21.7 million, or 37%, from 2019. The fruit-based segment generated $28.6 million of gross profit, up $22.1 million, or 340% from 2019. During the quarter, we continue to make progress with gross margin expansion. As a percentage of revenues, fourth quarter gross margin was 15.5%, compared to 11.9% last year, a 360 basis point increase. On a full-year basis, gross margin was 13.8%, up 470 basis points, with both segments contributing to the improvement. In the fourth quarter, gross margin expanded 720 basis points in the fruit segment and 70 basis points in the plant-based segment. Operating income was $6.8 million, or 3.3% of revenues in the fourth quarter, compared to a loss of a half a million dollars last year. SG&A increased to $25.6 million compared with $20.6 million in the fourth quarter last year. The savings initiatives previously implemented are being offset primarily by variable compensation expense resulting from the significant improvements made in operating results. Earnings attributable to common shareholders for the fourth quarter was $70.2 million or $0.78 cents per diluted share, compared to a loss of $7.6 million, or $0.09 cents per diluted share during the fourth quarter of 2019. These results include discontinued operations, or global ingredients, which produced a $112 million pre-tax gain on sale. Given the global ingredients divestiture, broad refinance of the balance sheet, and the closure of a large fruit plant, let me unpack the impact these activities had on earnings from continuing operations for the fourth quarter. The reported loss from continuing operations 
was $34.3 million, driven by non-recurring items, including a $12.7 million foreign currency hedging loss on the global ingredient sale, $11.2 million of exit costs, impairment charges, and severance, primarily associated with the exit of our Santa Maria fruit plant, and an $8.9 million charge associated with the retirement of the second lien notes. The loss also reflects a full year's interest expense on the old capital structure, or an approximately $440 million debt load in existence before year-end. On an adjusted basis, consolidated earnings were $1.2 million, or one cent per diluted share. The adjusted loss from continuing operations was $2.5 million, or three cents per diluted share, compared to a loss of $7.1 million, or eight cents per common share in the prior year. As Jill mentioned earlier, for the fourth quarter of 2020, adjusted EBITDA from continuing operations was $20.6 million, compared to $11.2 million in the prior year. On a consolidated basis, adjusted EBITDA was $26.5 million, up 62% versus prior year. I'd like to remind listeners that adjusted EBITDA and adjusted earnings are non-GAAP measures, and a reconciliation of these measures to GAAP can be found toward the back of the press release issued earlier this morning. Turning to the balance sheet and cash flow, at January 2, 2021, total debt was $69.7 million, down approximately $410 million from December 28, 2019. Total debt reflects $47.3 million drawn on our asset-based credit facility, with a balance representing smaller credit facilities, lease, and other financing arrangements. Leverage has improved to well under two times from 10 times as we entered 2020. As a reminder, we refinanced our previous ABL with a new five-year ABL and delayed draw term loan at lower interest rates. The new facility is not due until December of 2025. We do expect the debt balance to grow as we recognize lease obligations on the balance sheet associated with capital projects and the use of the revolver for our customary seasonal build of inventory. From a cash flow perspective during the quarter, cash generated from operating activities of continuing operations was $19.8 million compared to cash generated of $33.2 million during the fourth quarter of 2019. As a reminder, we drove down working capital last year nearly $30 million and therefore entered 2020 on a much leaner basis. Cash generated from investing activities was $352.3 million compared with a use of $9.2 million in the fourth quarter of 2019. The increased cash flow was driven by the sale of our global ingredients business. Let me close by offering some perspective on what we are seeing in terms of Q1 in full year 2021 results. From a top line perspective, our current view is growth in plant-based will approach double digits in Q1, noting that we have a strong comp to hurdle of plus 30% from the prior year quarter. For perspective, we are forecasting the largest quarter in our history in Q1 on plant-based. Beyond Q1, our current outlook suggests low to mid-teens growth for the balance of the year. In fruit, as a reminder, we closed a facility and shared that we would be rationalizing customers and SKUs and therefore forecast high single-digit revenue declines in Q1 as a result. In addition, we are rebuilding inventories following light fruit supply due to COVID-19 and hurdle a strong comp of plus 14% from the prior year quarter. Beyond Q1, we currently forecast low to mid single digit revenue decline while producing improved year over year margins. From a margin perspective, we would expect plant-based to remain in the high teens area and fruit-based to make year over year improvements each quarter from a more efficient portfolio of plants and customers. Finally, from an adjusted EBITDA perspective, we expect solid double-digit growth 
in 2021. With that, I'd ask the operator to please open up the call to questions. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you. And at this time, I would like to advise everyone, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Pause for just one moment to compile a Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Brian Holland from DA Davidson & Company. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, so, I, I guess a, a lot to dig into. Um, so just on the plant-based growth side, I, I appreciate the guidance here. You know, obviously tough comps on the at-home side, but but I've inferred customer demand currently outstrips your supply. So so is the math basically for 2021 that you take the 2020 base uh, plus the pace at which you can onboard capacity expansion? Good morning, Brian. It's Scott. Yeah, I think if you if you reflect on the comments about uh, the outlook. I think we've given a fairly decent view of the called the pacing uh, of the development of that realization of revenue toward our $100 million target. Yep, uh, perfect. Uh, timing and consideration set for further capacity expansion in plant-based. Uh, obviously, there's a $75 million delayed draw at your disposal. Um, you know, can you can you just kind of talk about how you are thinking about? Um, you know, adding to that base and, and maybe what's going to play into that? Yeah, Brian, good morning. It's Joe. Um, you know, we've uh, stated many, many times our aspiration and ambition to double this business. Um, you know, clearly at some point in that five-year journey, we're going to need to add additional uh, capacity. But, you know, as I indicated uh, um, on the call here, you know, we have sufficient capacity to uh, – drive through 2022 um, and would, you know, expect sometime in, call it 2023, uh, we would need to onboard additional capacity. And then just, um, you know, I, just, uh, I guess, one to, to clarify, um, that $75 million delayed draw lapses after 18 months and typically – I mean, a, a 12 to 18 month time frame would probably be reasonable for green uh, fielding a new facility. Is that is that are those reasonable parameters from a time perspective? Yes. Okay. Um, and then uh, anything to read from the closing of the Santa Maria facility and and further customer rationalization uh, as it pertains to whether you might ultimately consider divesting versus holding on to the food business. You know, um, you know, our view, I mean, we're uh, happy with the performance of the fruit business. You know, this year we uh, improved uh, gross profit, $22 million, um, you know, really solid year. We're confident in our ability to continue to add value and, and growth profitability in that business. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to, knock on wood, a uh, solid uh, strawberry season in California and Mexico and, um, you know, putting, continuing to put really solid numbers on the board. I appreciate the call. Last one for me, and I'll, I'll get out of the way. Um, you know, obviously a lot of commentary around new customer wins um, on the oat milk creamer side, uh, also launching the uh, or, or running with the, the Zone brand. Um, can you just – I know we've talked about this before, but just a little context. I, I understand the – the ability to kind of manage both a, you know, a private label customer uh, pipeline with, with introducing your own products, um, but always seems a little like the sensitivity is higher with your launching your own brand versus, you know, other CPG brand customers. So can you just kind of talk about how you, how you walk that balance? Sure. Um, it, it's really oriented around innovation, Brian. We uh, would not be foolish enough to launch products directly on top of our 
existing customers' products that we're manufacturing for them. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to uh, continue to drive the business through innovation, access innovation opportunities more quickly. Um, and so this is really about expanding the portfolio of products, not launching products on top of our customers. Appreciate all the color. Best of luck. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Your next question comes from line of Alex Berman from Craig Howland Capital. Your line is open. Morning, Alex. Great. Thanks very much for taking my question. Yeah, likewise. Good morning, and, and uh, congratulations on a, on a really transformative year in, in 2020. Thank you. Um, you know, I wanted to ask more about the, the, the brand. I mean, this seems like a huge opportunity. I, I was lucky enough to, to, you know, get to pick up uh, some of your sewn product at, at the, the Whole Foods in my, my neighborhood. Um, you know, how, how, you know, can you tell us a little bit about the, the pipeline of, of what we could expect to see, you know, from sewn and, and from perhaps other brands that you could launch? I mean, is this, considering that your business has been capacity constrained, in the past, I mean, is this, is this, you know, an area you'd like to get kind of as much product into your own cartons if you can? I'd, I'd love to just hear more about that. And, and, you know, obviously I would imagine it's much higher margin. Um, you know, what, what should we be expecting in terms of the investment in, in sales and marketing and, and, you know, whatever else it takes to, to get a brand uh, off the ground? Yeah. So, again, our focus here is really creating a platform for us to pursue innovation. I mean, the, the, our addition of brands as a growth lever for us really emanates from the desire to be able to quickly and surgically attack market opportunities that we see. So, for example, um, you know, the plant-based creamer category is a $335 million segment at retail growing over 30%. And there was not an organic offering uh, in oat milk. And, you know, we saw that as a key opportunity. We don't make a product like that for any of our existing customers. Um, and so we thought it was a great opportunity for us to capitalize on that market opportunity that we saw and launch our own brand. You know, our approach to building these will be really starts with one core principle, which is, to build unique, differentiated products in the marketplace. You know, we don't want to be the seventh, eighth, ninth offering in a category. This is really an opportunity for us to drive innovation. And if and when we can see those market opportunities where no one else is playing in it, you know, we'll use either our brand or a combination of our brand along with a CPG Coman to really go and develop a market and develop uh, a category. Great. That's really helpful. Um, and then if, if I could also just ask about the mix of your business on the plant-based side, I mean, obviously your, your food service customers were under a lot of pressure in 2020, and it sounds like you're looking for um, there to be a pretty strong recovery there beginning in the second half of this year. Um, what are the margin and growth implications as, you know, the business presumably shifts a little bit more into food service as, as we kind of enter this post-COVID Recovery, um, you know, is, is, is that somewhere that you see as, as being a big kind of long-term growth engine over the next couple of years? Yeah, so, um, you know, we don't break out uh, margin by sales channel, but, you know, as it relates to broadly our plant-based business is call it 50-50 split between food service and retail. And so, you know, we all know what has happened within the overall food service landscape related to COVID. And so, you know, we would expect a uh, strong recovery as consumers slash shoppers return to those uh, channels. And, you know, one only needs to look at some of the publicly reported same-store comps to see where we see the upside, um, you know, in kind of Q2, Q3 forward. Okay, that's really helpful. Thank you very much. Thanks. Your next question comes from the line of John Anderson from William Blair. Your line is open. Good morning, everybody. Hey, good morning, good morning John. John. Hi. Um, congrats on a, 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 a fun, dynamic, and fluid year. Um, the uh, I guess so many different things could ask. Um, starting on, I guess, the plant-based food and beverage business, um, 
as you you look at the the pipeline, you know, you know, the new capacity plus the new the new business activity in the pipeline, you know, driving you towards you know that incremental hundred million dollars over the next couple of years. Um, is there a way to characterize the um, the likely composition of that new business? Uh, you know, how much do you anticipate being you know your own brand, uh, own branded business versus maybe Copac? for other CPG firms versus retail private label? Yeah, we would expect the lion's share of that growth to come from co-manufacturing of, of CPG brands, um, you know, and then probably private label growth and then our own brand. I mean, again, we're, you know, we're managing our ambitions with brands, you know, relative to uh, our capabilities and, and our focus on being a great co-manufacturer for our branded partners. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned to Alex, I mean, our intent is really, you know, to do this surgically where we can really bring true innovation to market. So, you know, I would see it as, you know, a very similar go-forward model supplemented by us um, really using brands as an innovation accelerator. Okay, that's helpful. Um, does that would that mean that let's take Sone for instance? Um, in, clearly, you found a you know a white space in, in organic kind of creamer or, or the lack thereof, and, and and a great opportunity for you to 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 kind of pursue that. I mean, should we think about you know longer term you know, Sone becoming a a brand that could play in a more tra you know, traditional milk? you know, uh, oat milk, or is it, do you think it will be more kind of surgical, you know, and targeted to these, these areas where, um, you know, you, you can bring something, um, that, that's novel to the, to the, uh, to the space. And maybe you can bring something novel, you know, to, to oat milk more broadly because of the, you know, very high, uh, quality kind of capabilities that you've developed there. Yeah. So the, you know, we see this as having a very strong innovation orientation as opposed to, you know, let's launch the ninth almond milk into the store 20 years after the first almond milk was launched. I mean, that's not how we see the opportunity here. So, um, you know, and I think it's really important to understand we're not going to launch products on top of our customers where we're currently manufacturing an identical or similar product to what we're doing for them today. Um, that, that certainly would not be a partner like move and and we're very kind of clear about the boundaries and the guardrail um, you know I could certainly see the brand going outside of some of our traditional capabilities and helping us expand into uh, kind of adjacency categories just like this being the creamer space is a bit of an adjacency expansion for us that makes sense that kind of leads into my next question you mentioned um, that was interesting you mentioned uh, ice cream and yogurt specifically um, I think, with respect to the pipeline, um, can you tell us a little bit more about that, how meaningful uh, those products could be uh, in terms of, you know, allocating some of your new capacity to them? Uh, those are areas I don't think you play in today. I may be wrong on that, and, and correct me if I'm in, but, um, but, but ice cream and yogurt would be kind of new categories for you, I think, right? Correct. And, and just to clarify, we're supplying oat milk to manufacturers in those categories as opposed to us being a manufacturer. We we're not manufacturing ice cream or manufacturing yogurt. We're manufacturing oat milk. We're selling that oat milk to yogurt manufacturers or ice cream manufacturers who are turning it into a finished product. Just to clarify, we haven't stood up a, uh, a yogurt plant since we last talked, John. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, the core, the core focus there and the thing that's exciting for us is uh, our extraction capability and the unique way in which we're packaging it allows us, you know, to really work with a much more expansive customer base and, and again, referenced, uh, you know, kind of yogurt and ice cream as, as the type of customers who we wouldn't have been able to work with in the past but for uh, this new capability. So it's exciting. And, you know, I think if you, if you um, reflect on the projected kind of 2021 growth rate that Scott outlined, 
um, you know, you'll see the progress we're projecting against that $100 million target uh, pretty clearly in the numbers. And, uh, you know, a lot of these new oatmeal products, um, you know, are exciting. They're growing fast. And, you know, we're, we're hopeful and optimistic that the consumer in those respective categories, you know, adopts them and loves them as, as much as we do because we think they're fantastic. Absolutely. On the, um, the capacity in plant-based uh, foods and beverages, you have a, a new program for 2021. Um, I can't recall. Have you, have you talked at all about um, the, the timing of, of that new capacity and, and the size of it? We know that you know, the, the capacity you brought on at the end of 2020 was about $100 million or, or more of incremental sales capacity. Um, any any um, boundaries you can put around the, the new program in Allentown. And then, um, if, if I can throw a follow-on to that, um, can you continue to add lines, add, add capacity to the three facilities you have now, California, Minnesota, and, and Pennsylvania, or at some point do you need um, a, a new location, a new footprint, a new plant, and, and when might that be? Um, so we, we did not break out a granular forecast for the Allentown edition. We were comfortable when we were executing three projects to kind of lump those together and, and give some line of sight to what that might mean in terms of incremental capacity, but we don't want to get into kind of individual projects and individual uh, kind of rates of return on that. Um, it's a bit, bit too granular. Um, but, you know, it'll, it'll represent a, you know, a significant chunk of business uh, for us. I mean, it's meaningful or we would not have shared the news. Um, you, you know, your second question about kind of what's our expansion potential within existing facilities versus a new facility, we have a little bit of wiggle room, wiggle room to, uh, you know, add a little bit more to the existing network. But I would say, yes, at some point, um, you know, in the in the near to midterm future, we will need to consider uh, standing up a, a new facility. And you know, obviously, we would love to do that as soon as possible because that gives us you know indication and line of sight that um, you know we're developing our pipeline and and you know we need to stay ahead of that. So, be uh, you know, on some a good problem to have, so to speak. Absolutely, absolutely. And then I guess my, my last question will shift gears over to fruit. Um, you, you talked about customer rationalization and that um, helping you get to, you know, a more profitable business near term uh, will have some implications on revenue, as you outlined. Uh, can you talk about the uh, – when you, you talk about rationalization, are we talking about the mix of business, meaning – you know, more retail, less um, food service or um, away from home? Or are we talking, you know, just customer rationalization within each of those segments? How, where are we taking the business, I guess, from a customer standpoint? And uh, if there's a little bit more characterization of that, it would be, it would be helpful. Yeah, and remember, um, you know, fruit is compri comprised of fruit ingredients, uh, frozen fruit and fruit snacks. So there is some swing or delta within that mix of kind of fruit specific. So some of it was related to the closing of Santa Maria. Some of it was just us continuing to look for optimization opportunities in the other uh, two segments of uh, the fruit business. Um, but, you know, not a wholesale shift in kind of any channel strategy. Um, you know, we're really just trying to work to optimize the footprint of the business and the customers that we're serving, you know, so that we're positioned to deliver great cost to them, great service, and great quality. And, you know, I think the, the moves we're making in Mexico and diversifying our network, you know, we've talked about that extensively, kind of almost going back to the middle of 2019 about diversification as a core strategy. We're doing uh, a much better job of sourcing fruit out of South America. Uh, Mexico will become, as I mentioned, a very significant business for us, and, and you know, California 
will, you know, always be a, a significant part as well. But, you know, again, that's, you know, what you're seeing from us on fruit is very consistent with what we outlined as a, a core strategic driver, which was diversification. Makes sense. Actually, as you were talking, I, I have to squeeze one more in uh, if I can. So the base, I just want to make sure I've got this right. So the, the base EBITDA for 2020 uh, continued ops is, is about $59 million, um, dollars, you know, X, X the, the uh, trodden. And, and then we're thinking we, we can grow that um, double digits in 2021. Fair statement? Correct. Okay, terrific. Thanks so much, and uh, congrats on a uh, really a wonderful year. So, talk soon. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Your next question comes from line of Mark Smith from Lake Street. Your line is open. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, first, just wanted to talk big picture about uh, competitive landscape in plant-based beverage. You can you talk about you know how strong your position is today. Or do you really view this as a, a rising tide that lifts all ships, or, or what is your opportunity to really take share? Um, you know, we say we identify three core competitive advantages uh, within plant-based, which, in combination, we think gives us uh, a really strong position. First is the strength of our operational and R&D technical capabilities. That is an absolute differentiator uh, in this plant-based co-manufacturing space. Uh, second is the strength of our strategic partnerships with our customers. We have many, many multi-year, long-term, contractual, partner-oriented agreements. Uh, and then the third is, uh, relative to many of the people that we compete with, you know, we have a diverse manufacturing network that uh, is East Coast, West Coast, and Midwest, and in combination that affords us the opportunity to work coast to coast with national customers who prioritize product consistency, product quality, and uh, the simplicity of working with one partner. So those, those three things in combination uh, really afford us what we view as a, as a strong competitive moat. Okay. And then back to the, the branded products, can, can you quantify it all or, or give us an idea on, on what the mix is today? You and plant and fruit on kind of branded products? Um, well, it'd be virtually 100% uh, private label and co-manufacturing. So, and again, you know, the branded uh, push for us is, uh, is really oriented to uh, being the tip of the spear for driving innovation. And, and as I indicated, um, you know, we went out to the market with this organic oat creamer uh, and quickly, on the basis of the product was already developed and all the work was done, we quickly signed up a co-manufacturing national brand uh, that wanted to launch a similar product as well as a retailer's private label product who wanted to launch a very similar product. So I think you can sense it really gives us speed to market because we know we're going to launch it under our own brand, but we are committed to being agnostic, which means we will share that product innovation with our private label customers and our co-manufacturing partners. And if we think the best opportunity to bring an individual product uh, innovation to market um, is through one of those vehicles or a combination of them, you know, that's how we're going to pursue it. Okay. And then last, last one for me, just looking at food service. You guys sound, sounds like are pretty optimistic as you look at food service primarily in the second half of the year. Can you just update us on what you're seeing uh, today in food service versus maybe, you know, two, three months ago? Pretty similar. You know, if I, if I reflect on the, on the fourth quarter, it was, it was pretty similar to the third quarter just in terms of how that overall channel of food service performed. Um, you know, early days here in, in Q1, you know, we're seeing some uptick, but, um, you know, I think I think that channel won't really. Just my personal opinion. Uh, you know, I don't expect that channel to fully recover until you've got a lot of commuters driving past their favorite coffee shop and uh, picking up their soy milk latte on the way into the office every day. Okay, great. 
Thank you. Your next question is a follow-up from Brian Holland from DA Davidson and Company. Your line is again open. Yeah, uh, Joe and Scott, thanks for taking the follow-up. Uh, just, just one question as we think about building out this plant-based business going forward. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you characterize it this way, but, um, you know, it looks like within the mix of your business extraction, you might be sort of underweight towards extraction looking backwards. If we think about uh, capacity going forward, would you would that be increasingly weighted towards uh, extraction, which again expands the categories? It sounds like you can theoretically serve and customers you can serve, um, but I uh, but I also think carries a uh, higher margin profile than you know the quote unquote uh, packaging side of the business. So could you maybe talk through that? Yeah, you know, um, I, I think uh, quite a while ago we articulated that uh, the extraction. Uh, facility that we built in Alexandria, Minnesota, allows us a 4x increase in the amount of basically kind of uh, oat milk or soy milk that we can we can make out of that. So you know, yes, it, to, to the first part of your question, yes, the mix, um, you know, should benefit, should get the extraction side will grow certainly as a percent of the mix relative to say uh, 2020. Uh, just in terms of the margin profile, you know, we don't break out the margin component between the uh, individual lines of business. Um. Okay, fair enough. Uh, thanks, thanks for clarifying. There are no further questions at this time. I'll turn the call back to the presenters for closing remarks. Okay. Uh, thank you, operator, and thank you, everyone, for participating in our fourth quarter conference call. Look forward to speaking to you in the future and appreciate uh, your interest and support in Synopta. Have a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes today's conference call and you may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.